He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with its income. This is vanity. The word vanity means empty or worthless. This idea of loving money is also seen in 1 Timothy 6.10, where it says, for the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. It's not the money, it's the love of money. And some, by belonging, belonging to have it, wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. It's not money that's the root of all types of ego, evils. It is the love of money. Matter of fact, Sharon and I had a, a classmate in Bible college. Her name was Barbara Money. And that poor gal, she figured she'd never get married because it was against God's will <laughs> for anyone to love a money. Um, I'm not sure, honey. Is she still uh, single? or I don't know. Maybe she got married. But anyway, money is the root of all types of evil. It's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. Turn to uh, Proverbs 15, 16 with me, please. Proverbs 15, 16. Proverbs 15, 16 says that it is better with a little, with the fear of God, of the Lord, than great treasure and turmoil with it. Similar verse, just in the next chapter, 16, verse 8, Proverbs 16, 8. Better is a little with righteousness than great income with injustice. And finally, turn over to Proverbs 10, 22, back a couple chapters, Proverbs 10, 22. It is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. So scriptures aren't saying that we shouldn't have money. We shouldn't be desirous of money in order to pay bills, to give to others. Money is not the root of evil, but the love of money. It says in 15 and 16, we saw, better is a little. That phrase was repeated twice. Better is a little amount of money. And it is a blessing of the Lord that makes rich in Proverbs 10.22. So these verses aren't saying that it's evil to have money. It's not even saying it's evil to have a lot of money. If it is a little, back in 16.8 again, if better is little with righteousness than great income is with justice, if it's better a little with righteousness, what would it be like to have a lot with righteousness? What if God blessed you with a lot of money because you were righteous? Okay? Many people who have a lot of money also have a lot of sorrows, as I said in 1022. If you think of uh, some of the richest people in the world, uh, many of them, not all of them, some are great philanthropists, some of them do great things with money, but you think of a lot of people that have a lot of riches, they have sorrows. Once they get the money, they like to hoard it. They don't want to spend anything. They want to have just more and more and more. They just desire more and more riches just for the sake of being richer. We saw a movie the other day about a gentleman uh, that was out to make himself a billionaire like Dale Carnegie. And he just wanted to become a billionaire. But when he did, he hadn't changed any. He was still the same old grumpy man he was before. Many have sorrows because they want to hoard the riches. They become greedy for more. They develop a corrupt character, as we saw in the video clip here. They just become corrupt, and all they care about is money, not people. 
And if you ever heard of people that all of a sudden they get rich suddenly through the lottery or gambling or whatever, guess what? All of a sudden they have brand new relatives they didn't know about. Our brand new friends, long lost friends from second grade. Remember me? Hey, I could use a little money right now. Charities, they get on these lists for all these charities and they start asking for money, money, money for the charities. It is a fact that many lottery winners end up with millions of dollars but wind up broke. The National Endowment for Financial Education said that 70% of lottery winners end up broke. 70%. And a third of them go totally bankrupt after winning millions of dollars, which is just in a few years. It's all due to runaway spending because they have the money now. Now they can spend it on all kinds of things they don't really need. They make toxic investments. They are susceptible to pyramid schemes and other get-rich-quick schemes. But on the other hand, we know of some Christians that have a lot of money. But they use it wisely because they recognize it and it's from God. Locally, we have a man by the name, I had a man by the name of uh, Richard Kreider. And uh, we knew him personally from a previous church, Kreider Farms, Kreider Dairy, uh, he had a lot of money, but he used it for God. He spent a lot of money towards the Lord's work. Other people you may know of, S. Stuart Cathy was a founder of Chick-fil-A. You all heard of that? He was a member of a Baptist church in Georgia. He taught Sunday school for over 30, 50 years. He said that the Bible was his guidebook, especially when it came to money, but for all life. And as you know, Chick-fil-A's are closed on Sundays so that uh, the employees, team members can have the Sunday off to worship with their family and to spend with their family. But in 1970, or since 1970, Chick-fil-A has awarded more than $136 million, $136 million in scholarships to more than 80,000 of their team members. Their nonprofit organization also sponsors 13 different foster homes, a wilderness program, retreat getaways, youth camps, and even marriage counseling sessions. In addition, the Catholic family itself fostered children for over 30 years. So this is a rich Christian, but he uses his money for the Lord. A man by the name of David Green, founder of Hobby Lobby. Ever heard of Hobby Lobby? Okay. Very supportive of Christian organizations. One of the largest individual donors to evangelical causes in the United States. Green commits half of Hobby Lobby's total pre-tax earnings. Half of the pre-tax earnings he devotes to a portfolio of evangelical ministries. I couldn't find current statistics, but as of 2012, he had donated an estimated $500 million to ministries. $500 million. How many have heard of a guy by the name of R.G. Laternal? Anybody? What's he known for? Heavy equipment, right. He's, he's responsible, largely responsible for the invention and development of many types of earth-moving equipment. But he's also known as devout Christian and a generous philanthropist to Christian causes. Uh, most notably, Laternal University in Longview, Texas. He and his wife started that university, and they eventually named it after him. Laternal held many respected positions throughout his life, including serving as the president of Gideon's International. And whenever I hear of Gideon's International, we think of... Dave Keller, don't we? Dave was thoroughly invested in that ministry. A Laternal flew for 30 years. He flew thousands of miles each week 
thousands of miles each week to maintain Christian speaking engagements around the world. Eternal served God and humanity in general by setting aside 90% of his income. 90% of his income. And he lived on the other 10. Now, that's a little easier to do when you get that much money. But it's the idea. It's the dedication to serving the Lord through his money. So last week I had seven different principles on um, conflict, conflict resolution. Today I've got just five. I nailed it down a little bit. Five different principles on what to do with your money, what you do have. And as last week, I had very little commentary on the verses. This week, I'm going to do the same. I'm going to let the scriptures speak for themselves. I'm not going to say a lot about the verses. We will be going through a lot of verses, but most of them will be on the screen, and, and the other ones will be close together, hopefully. But Kathy, Stuart Kathy, David Green, and R.G. Laterno are perfect examples of the first principle of money and what to do with it, and that is hard work and wealth. Thomas Jefferson, I'm not sure if he's a Christian or not, but Thomas Jefferson had this excellent quote. He said that opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overhauls and hard work. All right? I like that. Opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overhauls and hard work. No, not yet. Turn to Proverbs 10.4. Proverbs 10.4. You're in Proverbs 10.22, I think. Just turn over to 10.4. Poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. The hand of the diligent makes rich. Turn over to 12.11. He who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who pursues vain things lacks sense. As we saw earlier, vain means worthless. If you pursue money through worthless things, what are some worthless things? Lottery, gambling, get-rich-quick schemes. If you pursue money this way, it's vanity, it's worthless. 70% of the time you'll end up losing all that money, and maybe even eventually going broke. So don't do these worthless things. Proverbs 13.11. Does it make sense to do the worthless things? Proverbs 13.11 reiterates this. Wealth obtained by fraud dwindles, but the one who gathers by labor increases it. Notice the word is repeated a couple times in the last few verses. Forget the vain things, the worthless things, but labor, labor, till, and gather. Now, I search scripture, to make it appropriate to me, I search scripture all over to try to find a verse that talks about working hard, toiling over your computer in your office building. But I couldn't find any scriptures on that for some reason. All right? But they have plenty about the former, toiling and gathering. And yeah, farmers, I, I, I truly believe they are probably one of the hardest working people around, okay? They really toil, they really labor, okay? But God blesses any toil, any labor that we have. For instance, 14.23, turn to Proverbs 14.23. And Proverbs 14.23 says, In all labor, even toiling away at a computer in my office, 
All labor there is profit, but mere talk only leads to poverty. If you labor, you shall have profit. If it's mere talk, it's vanity. It leads to poverty. When I hear mere talk, when it has to do with money, I think of Gus. Pennsylvania's second most famous groundhog. Right? Some of you got it before you even said that. Okay, Gus. Pennsylvania Lottery. You watch those commercials. You've seen them, right? Gus says, you can claim all kinds of wealth. You can get millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, just by purchasing this little ticket here. And you can go from poverty to wealth with just scratching. And all you have to do is what? Keep on scratching. Now, he doesn't emphasize that, but basically what he's saying is keep on scratching. Nothing. Keep on scratching. Nothing. Keep on scratching. Nothing. What he doesn't say is keep on scratching. Nothing. Keep buying. Scratch. Nothing. Keep buying. Scratch. Nothing. Keep buying. Okay? So if you keep on scratching, you're going to have to keep on buying. And you're just wasting your money. You're leading yourself to poverty. Okay? So, and, and he calls it, you know, just play this game, the lottery game. Well, I'm sorry, but the words game and play to me signify something fun. And I don't see any fun in scratching and not getting any, in scratching and buying, scratching and buying. I don't call that fun. Okay? And in one commercial at Christmas time, one guy gets a lottery ticket from his friend. And the guy says, wow, what a great, great Christmas gift. Thank you so much. And that guy, what they don't show you on the commercial, though, is that guy goes home, he scratches it off, and he gets what? Nothing. Thanks a lot, friend. <laughs> At least when I'm a bad boy and Santa leaves me some, a lump of coal, I can use that to heat the house a little bit, you know. But this thing's worthless, okay? So don't get sucked into get-rich-quick schemes like the lottery or gambling. Proverbs 24, 33. One of my favorite verses about this topic. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then your poverty will come as a robber and your want like an armed man. What they're saying here is if you're not laboring, you're losing out on your wealth, on your riches that you could be earning. It's like an armed man coming in and stealing all that you have. Getting out of Proverbs a little bit for this one verse, I think is very appropriate. Deuteronomy 8, 18. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who has given you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant which he swore to your fathers at his this day. I like that Brian picked out some hymns that told us that we should not be relying on our own selves, our own money, our own wealth, but God. So even though scripture says we need to labor to earn that wealth, to earn money. God is the one that gives us the power to do the labor. And it's only through his strength that we can labor and earn some wealth. Now, wealth is a relative term. Well, I'll get to that in a minute. There's a scripture that says specifically about it. But wealth is really relative. We may have a little wealth or we may have a lot of wealth. And so we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But either way, it is God who gives us the strength. I grew up in a blue-collar family. My dad was a cable repairman for a Southwestern Bell telephone. Up here in Pennsylvania, I think it was called uh, Bell Telephone of Pennsylvania or something like that. Okay. The, yeah, tele- Bell Telephone of Pennsylvania. So 
So he was a cable repairman. Didn't make a lot of money. He worked hard. Even into his 50s, he was climbing, climbing telephone poles to repair cable uh, lines. So he taught us the value of money. We were just getting by as a middle-class family. We were okay, but we were considered probably lower middle class. But Dad uh, had some opportunities to work overtime. There was a lot of times in the middle of a storm or right up the storm that they'd have some damage and he'd have to go out in the middle of the night or whatever, and he could earn some pretty good money in overtime, time and a half, double time. But Mom and Dad decided they'd take that money, all the extra money, and they'd put it aside. And that'd be their savings. And they put it into a savings account. And every once in a while, not every year, but every few years, we'd take a vacation with some of that money. So they were very, very conscious about the money. And we're talking about vacation, we'd be mostly going camping. And we're not talking about, you know, these big old nice RVs that we have nowadays. We're talking about tent camping. An umbrella tent, sleeping five, okay? That's camping for us. No porta-potties. We had to go to the public restroom at the campgrounds. So they were very conscious about their money. But all those years, my parents taught me, by example, the value of working hard and working diligently for my money. So on your handout, there's a little box on the right-hand side. It says, just do it. This is the summary of this first principle. Just do it. Do what? Well, as we saw in uh, 10.4, work diligently. So you can write that in the box. Work diligently. In 12.11, it says, till. In 13.11, it says, gather. Whatever you're tilling or whether, whatever you're gathering is in your job, that's what we're talking about, working. RS 13.11 also says, Labor. And 1423 said labor. So work diligently, till, gather, labor, labor. That's the emphasis of hard work and wealth. Number two on your outline. Proverbs about greed. You've all heard the saying, money can't buy you happiness. Well, me personally, I wouldn't mind testing that theory. Okay? <laughs> I know you've heard that one before, but it's not that I'm greedy regarding money. It's just that I'm a little envious of what others have. Every once in a while, Sharon, I'll be driving down the street, and I'll see one of these mansions. And a real big house, real nice mansion. And to me, a mansion is any halfway decent house. Uh, but I, said to, I say to Sharon, boy... I'm so glad we're not rich, okay? So glad. My tongue's firmly implanted in my cheek. So glad we're not rich. In other words, I wish we were rich. And she tells me, Dale, if we had that mansion, I, meaning her, she'd have to clean it up, okay? So anyway, mansions. I'd rather have a cottage, as the hymn says. I'd rather have a cottage here on earth because I know that eventually, not while on earth probably, uh, eventually, eventually, I'm going to have a mansion on a hilltop, okay, with streets paved with gold. That's great. So I'm not greedy, I'm just envious. Matter of fact, one person said, Money may not buy happiness, but I'd rather be unhappy in a mansion than miserable in a shack. For answered that one. However, as our key verse in Proverbs says, Nope, that's not it. Uh, a key verse in Proverbs says, uh, 15, 16 says, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. Likewise, Proverbs 23, 
4 and 5 says, Do not weary yourselves to gain wealth. Cease from consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, it is gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies towards heaven. As we saw, a lot of our lottery winners have experienced that. All that wealth just took off through poor investments and greediness. So do not weary yourself in gaining wealth. God will take care of that. Again, our hymns told us that this morning so adequately. But as we saw in Proverbs 2, 11, or 12, 11, and 13, 11, to gain wealth, many greedy individuals weary themselves, and they lack sense by pursuing worthless things like gambling, playing the lottery, and participating in get-rich-quick get rich schemes. When it comes to gambling, something to avoid gambling, I like this quote from some high school coach named Jack Yelton. He said, The only way to return from a casino with a small fortune is to go to the casino with a large fortune. <laughs> As we said, 70% of the lottery winners end up broke and a third go to declare bankruptcy. Then there's those get-rich-quick people that sign up to be on these reality TV shows, right? Okay. The first year of the Survivor show, a guy by the name of Richard Hatch won the first million. Okay. Sharon and I, this guy was so devious and backstabbing, and he was, he was terrible. I told Sharon, when he was getting to the end, I said, if he wins this Survivor show, I am not watching this show ever again. Well, he won, and have we watched Survivor since then? We have never watched Survivor again. The way he won was so bad, I thought, this is ridiculous. But even though he won a million dollars, six years later, Richard Hatch was convicted for not paying taxes on that million dollars. He was sent to prison for 51 months in federal prison for tax evasion. Why? Because he's greedy. He wanted more. Then when he got out of 51 months in prison, he was soon locked up again for another nine months because he never revised his tax returns from that year 2000 and 2001. So he goes back in prison for another nine months because he's still greedy. Okay. Matter of fact, in uh, 2013... TV Guide listed Richard Hatch on their list of 60 nastiest people, or villains of all time. What an honor, huh? What an honor that Richard Hatch got from winning that first thing. But it seems that uh, Richard Hatch definitely had what the scriptures call an evil eye. A man with an evil eye, Proverbs 28, 22, hastens after wealth and does not know that want will come upon him. I bet you he had a lot of wants in prison, Richard has, but it didn't serve him. The money didn't serve him well in prison. He couldn't take advantage of it in prison. And if you're still in Proverbs 14, oh no, let me go one more here. Proverbs 1, 8, 1 through 8. If sinners hear my son, my father's instruction, do not forsake your mother's teaching. My son, if sinners enticed you, do not consent. We will find all kinds of precious wealth, they say. We will fill our houses with spoil. Throw in your lot with us. We shall all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path. Don't let people entice you into get rich 
quick schemes or entice you into doing the lottery or entice you into anything that doesn't make sense, anything that's vain and empty. These numbers to add up. Like we're never going to get out of this hole. Credit card debt, does it ever end? <laughs> Maybe I can help. We sure could use it. We've tried debt consolidation companies. We've even taken out loans to help make payments. Well, you're not the only ones. Did you know millions of Americans live with debt they cannot control? That's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt. It's called Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. Oh, let me see that. If you don't have any money, you should not buy anything. Hmm, sounds interesting. Sounds confusing. I don't know, honey. This makes a lot of sense. There's a whole section here on how to buy expensive things using money you save. Give me that. And where would you get this saved money? I tell you where and how in Chapter 3. Okay, but what if I want something but I don't have any money? You don't buy it. Well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No. <laughs> now I'm really confused. It's a little confusing at first. Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story? Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. I think I got it. I buy something I want and then hope that I can pay for it, right? <laughs> no. You make sure you have money, then you buy it. Oh, then you buy it. But shouldn't you buy it before you have the money? No. Why not? It's in the book. It's only one page long. <laughs> Price is priceless and the book is free. Wow, I like the sound of that. Yeah, we can put it on our credit card. <laughs> so get out of debt now. Write for your free copy of Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. And if you order now, you also receive Seriously. If you don't have the money, don't buy it. Along with a 12 month subscription to Stop Buying Stuff magazine. So order today. All right. So not only do you want to keep yourself from these get-rich schemes and things like that that will get you into debt. You want to make sure you don't get in debt by doing some things like putting everything on your credit card and buying things before you have the money, okay? I actually went a little too fast on that, so let me go back and summarize the thing about debt or about greed. Just don't do it. Just don't be greedy. Don't weary yourself about greed. Don't have an evil eye like Richard Hatch did. Don't consent to do things that other people are trying to get you to do. And don't profit illicitly, illegally, Make sure everything you do is upped up as you earn money. Turn to Proverbs 22.7. Talk about this debt. You eventually become a slave to debt, it says in Proverbs 22.7. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. Look down a few verses to verses 26 and 27. 
Do not be among those who give pledges, among those who become sureties for debts. If you have anything with which to pay, why should he take your bed out from under you? So remember, learn to do without. Learn to live with little rather than trying to get a lot. Rather than go in debt, you learn to live without. Otherwise, you might wind up, might wind up with less than you had before. Someone might come and repossess your bed, pull your bed out from under you because you owe money on it. Might repossess your car or your home. As the video says, the key is don't buy something you don't have the money for. If you can't pay for it now, what makes you think you can pay for it later? Or as Will Rogers once said, too many people spend money to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. Luke 14, 28, 33 says that we should count the cost before going to battle to make sure we have enough people to win the battle rather than killing ourselves, suicidal. We should also count the cost, it says in Luke, before we build a tower to make sure we have money to finish that tower. Otherwise, it's embarrassment. Sharon and I go out to St. Louis quite a few times because of my family. We, the one route we take, we'll go by this, this steel structure that is somewhat in the shape of the ark, Noah's ark. And it has a big sign, something about, you know, help build Noah's ark or something. And all it is is rusted out beams right now. And it's been that way for years. Somebody didn't count the cost before they first laid those first beams. So count the cost before you buy anything. Make sure you have the money. A couple illustrations real quick. 2008, we had a housing market crash. It was due to the federal government's mortgage lenders, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, making loans accessible to people who had low credit scores and had a high risk of defaulting on those loans. And guess what? They defaulted on those loans because they were trying to get money for a house they couldn't afford. That housing market led to the stock market crash of that year, 2008. Then there was the current situation where the federal government, and I'm not going to get into politics, but the federal government is forgiving $800 billion, that's billion with a B, 800 or excuse me, $8 billion, $8 billion, sure, $8 billion in student loans, $8 billion in student loans for students that can't pay them back. And it's still, that number keeps growing. They're adding more and more to the list all the time. And I won't get into the politics of it, but the students, the point is that students are asking for more in loans than they should. They're going far, far, far into debt when there's a little chance that they're going to get out of that debt in any time soon. So don't buy anything if you can't pay for it. And this practice of going to debt isn't just big-ticket items like houses and colleges, but it's also the small things. Uh, an article in the, called Red Flag, Consumers Are Using Buy Now, Pay Later to Cover Everyday Expenses. It was popular in the old days to buy big-ticket items. You buy now, pay later, kind of like a mortgage. But that's doable. You've got many years to pay that according to your income. But now, people are using the buy now, pay later plan. It's actually a plan to buy everyday items, like their morning coffee at Starbucks, to pay their credit cards bills, to pay for groceries. They're borrowing money to pay for groceries, just like our video showed us. Why can't I 
you know, buy it now and pay it later. No, you need to buy it later when you can afford it. A summary of this idea about debt and money. Uh, There's a blog online by Bob Lotch. And he says this about debt. Debt should be approached with extreme caution. It is far too easy to accumulate. Student loans, mortgages, and credit cards abound. And beyond the fact that debt puts us in bondage, we're a slave to debt, consumer debt makes it extremely difficult to build wealth. Seek, off to pay, seek to pay off your credit card debt first, if you're in it, and then once you get all your consumer debts paid off, time to focus on paying down the mortgage early. So the summary in your little box there is, if you're in debt, get out, and then stay out. As we saw in Proverbs 22, you become a slave to debt, so we need to learn to do without, or we may wind up with even less than we already have. If you're watching the clock like I am, don't worry about it. These last two sections are much shorter than the first three. Turn to Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21, 5. Proverbs 21, 5 says, The plans of the diligent, and we saw that word earlier, they lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. Look also at verse 20 in Proverbs 21. Verse 20, There is precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man swallows it up. And then Proverbs 6 on the screen. Go to the ant, O slugger. Consider her ways and be wise. The ant, which having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provisions in the harvest. Be wise. A similar verse in Proverbs 30 says that the ants are exceedingly wise. Don't be a slugger. Don't be negligent, but be wise and plan for the future. When it says that they have oil in their house, it means they're saving the oil up. But the foolish person drinks it all up or uses it all up suddenly. I'm reading a book about prisoner of war, uh, Americans in a prisoner of war camp in Germany. And when they were just about to be moved to another camp in and further into Germany, because that camp was being overrun by the Americans, the American officers divided up the food among the uh, prisoners, POWs. And they told the American prisoners, now, each group has a certain amount of food. You need to make it last, because this march to the new camp is going to last days. So hand it out in portions. But these guys were already starving to death. And so what they do, they just grabbed it all, ate it all at once, and then they had nothing for the march. The idea here is save it up because you'll need money later. Just because you have money doesn't mean you have to spend it. Some of us think, well, I have $200 in the bank. I'm going to go out and buy something. No, you need to save up for later. You need to save money. As I told you earlier, my parents taught me a lot about saving money and other treasures. Um, Dad refused to join the union at the telephone company. But he also refused to cross the picket lines. So when he knew there was a strike coming, we'd start hoarding some things, putting them in our basement, some non-perishable items, canned food, uh, pasta items, toilet paper, things that we knew if he was going weeks without a paycheck, things we'd need. need. So 
we were saving up not just money but treasures, knowing that something was coming. Summary in the little box there. Save diligently. Just like we saw earlier, we need to work diligently. We also need to save diligently. Proverbs 6, 6-8 says that the ant prepared and gathers. So we need to be wise, need to plan, we need to save, and we need to store up for the future. That's kind of the summary on saving money. And finally, number five, about giving. We saw the examples of R.G. Letourneau earlier. We saw the example of Stuart Cathy and David Green. They had lots of money. But they did not have an evil eye with that money. They did not hoard it. They did not spend it unwisely. They used it wisely according to God's will. In Proverbs 22, 9, if you're still there in, in chapter 21, look at 22, 9. Scripture tells us that we can be happy with money. Remember we said money can't buy you love or money can't buy happiness? Well, we can be happy with money if we use it wisely. Proverbs 22.9, He who is generous will be blessed, for he gives some of his food to the poor. On the screen we see 14.21, He who despises his neighbor sins, but happy is he who is gracious to the poor. He is blessed and he is happy. 28, 27, he who gives to the poor will never want, but he who shuts his eyes will have many curses. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25, there is one who scatters and yet increases all the more, and there is one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results only in want. The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. So the more we give, the more we will prosper, the more God will bless us if we give according to his will. I think one more. Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So again, a summary here of these verses in your box here. You can take down notes on when you give cheerfully, you will be blessed. And another translation calls it enriched. You will be enriched. You will never want... You will be prosperous, and you will honor the Lord. So give generously. A man by the name of J.P. Getty, you probably heard of him, a very rich individual uh, in his time. He said this about money. I think some of you might read, in Lebanon County might relate to this. Money is like manure. You have to spread it around or it smells. <laughs> Now, I'm not a farmer, but I do live next to a farm, a cornfield. They spread the manure around. It still smells. Okay? <laughs> but I'm, I'm guessing that it doesn't smell as bad as it does in the vat. Okay? And the smell does go away after a day or two. So that's probably the point here. Money is like manure. You have to spread it around some. Okay? In our newlywed day, oh, I'm going to skip that for lack of time. Conclusion. I'm going to quote to you something from the four well-known British theologians from Liverpool. Say you don't need no diamond ring, and I'll be satisfied. Tell me that you want the kind of things that money just can't buy. I don't care too much for money. 
Money can't buy me love or happiness. Turn again to our key verse, Proverbs 15, 16. Proverbs 16, 15, 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than a great treasure and turmoil with it. It doesn't say that you can't have a lot and have the fear of the Lord. If you have the fear of the Lord and you're using that money for him, then fine, you can have wealth. But if you're like me and your wealth is a little smaller than J.P. Getty's or Laternal's, as long as I'm using it for the Lord, as long as I fear the Lord, as long as I am conscious of what he would want me to do with that money, then I will be able to rejoice. I will be blessed. I will be honoring God. We won't turn there, but you recognize uh, Mark 12, 41. That's the widow's might. In the temple, rich people gave a lot of money, but to them, it was just a little bit of what they owned. The widow came in and she gave one mite. And that was by far more than anything the rich people gave because that was all she had. She was going to trust in the Lord for the rest. And that's what we should do. Give what we can. Give even more. Trust the Lord that he's going to repay you, that he's going to take care of you. Even if it's not monetary, he can still take care of you and your needs. With a little or a lot, let's show our love for God in how we can use what he has given us. Because it's all from him. He even gives us the ability to labor for our money. Our finances are loan to us from God until the kingdom. We should be storing up our riches there in the kingdom. Giving money to help missionaries, the church, other Christian organizations, is storing up riches in heaven. Your wealth in heaven. Money can't buy love or happiness, but you can show your love for God and for others by using the money that he has given you. Let's pray.